ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Some of the best elk hunters in the world. Across the canyon, pop up the other side, and the wind is right at my back and blows right into it. I cut him off and say, I'm the best one, not you. I love it, man. I feel like I'm super blessed to call myself an elk hunter. To beat them at their game, to get them within that bow range, convincing them that I'm one of them. you got to close that distance really quick on him. And if he's going to engage that much, that's a dead bull. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast. Sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. Whether you're chasing bugles over the next ridge, sitting a stand out east, this is about passion. Pursuing our dreams of field, our lifestyle, the betterment of self and community, the enlightenment that comes from those moments spent in God's creation. Through these conversations, I hope you find insight, inspiration, education, and motivation to push beyond your limits. So are you going to hunt the, the first part of it in Colorado? Yeah. Yeah, I'll be oh, here. Cool. Yep. I'll be Back here. Back where you got on them bulls before? No. The, so that was seven. Seven. I just hit record. <laughs> I almost oh, slipped. Oh, God. Never mind. Was, Sorry. That was 70, 142, 6, 7. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> Elk zone unit. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going uh I, I missed the first, second draw, and then got skunked on the leftovers even, bro. Really? And, yeah, man. So well, OTC. you can get to find out why you can get to find out why New Mexico is so special where you're going, buddy. I already know. <laughs> I already know. Special, bro. So yeah, we'll super hit special. Up. We spoiled. You know, I was spoiled for so long hunting private land, and I had no clue how much public was around the private dude. But that's what made the private so good. Right, is all in public land hunters pushing them. You know, and uh, and vice versa. I mean, when the, when there were guys in on the ranch, they were pushing them off the ranch to those public guys, you know. So it it worked. Um, I don't know. I've been so long hunting hunting public that you know. And then last year going to Colorado was just such a daggum eye opener. You know, I've never seen that many people in one place in my life. Of course, the country's so big, guy. You know, I mean, I, you know, I don't. We we saw a lot of hunters caught a lot of men, but it was I never seen buses 
like parked in a it's crazy, place. Isn't it? Like serious buses, yeah. Prevost motor coaches and buses and big Winnebago's. Yeah, and, and I mean, in places you wouldn't think they could get one. Yeah. You know? I, I trip out every time I'm, you know, I'm packing up packing out or something and i'm like you know what there's a road there let me get it to that road and make this this hike out a little easier and it's like how in the did you get that there you know yeah, and, and yeah. some of them man there you know i'm seeing camps right here it's 14 days in in a single spot yeah. and i'm seeing camps mm-hmm. set for the last three weeks i mean no bs i bet you know, I, I bet they've already started you know and and we did that we we went and set something up early. I think RC did. And then Joe and his last minute of scouting came back to camp. He's like, I know we've set everything up, man, but tear down. This ain't, this ain't it. Yeah. You know, I found, I think I found the Mecca and, uh, you know, and that's when we, you know, we talked last night on the podcast about presentation and bait and stuff like that. When, when I was traveling a bunch fishing against competition, you get some of your close guys that you're good friends with that you don't mind sharing information with. And that's how you went and attacked the lake, man. You went and just searched and destroyed. And one guy's going to go up north and go look at spots. The other guy's going to go mid lake. The other guy's going to go down south. And at the end of the day, y'all compare notes, right? Mm-hmm. After it's over with, you get back, you compare notes. And then, man, all of a sudden you found a, a little bit of a pattern within a pattern, right? Uh, oh man, what I found was even up north, these fish are still hanging on secondary points, waiting to move back to the backs of the creeks. And, you know, me too. And then I'm like, anywhere you, you found a drain coming off the bank, those fish were locked up in it, you know? And it was the same thing the guys would find up north. They'd say, well, you found them in a drain. What kind of drain are you talking about? And I'm saying anything that comes off the bank that's got a little change in uh in contour right and you can see it come off the bank and it'll go into the water and it just stretches on out and i'm, I'm like you you fire bait into that contour change and they, they use that like highways moving up and down it right so when i told them that they could do that everywhere on the lake right so it's the same way for us <clears throat> elk hunting when we when we compare notes together and uh and we divide and conquer None of our guys get like coveting, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Area. Uh, man, if they're on them, they would rather somebody in our group take yeah, advantage right. of that and get, you know, knock a bull or two down and then, then nobody. Right. Um, so that's kind of how we do things. And then once we, uh, you know, RC and I were really last year, the guys that went out and tried to find where they weren't, you know, and, we just went to some really obscure places long ways away. And, you know, and we found a few, we found a few elk, but it wasn't concentrated like Joe and the mafia found. Right. And, uh, and once we figured that out, we kind of all, you know, there's six of us. We kind of all got in there in that area and we made it happen, you know, and we should have all killed bulls. That's, you know, Joe had an opportunity. Chab had an opportunity. Me and the ma- both mafia guys killed a bull, but every one of them had shot opportunities. Chab actually did wound a bull, you know, and, and shot him, and we just couldn't recover him. 
Yeah, I think he hit him a little back, you know, and uh, never found his arrow either, man. So that was odd. I, you know, I'm like, when there was some blood, not a lot, but it was real dark red. So you knew it was that mm-hmm. muscle tissue or, you know, come from the gut, but we never found his arrow. So it might have just stayed in him and, and went on with him. I mean, I hate that, but is what you call that an opportunity. And then, if Joe just lets the bull run him over instead of scaring the life out of him when he bugled at him, <laughs> he shoots that bullet probably five hmm. feet, you know, frontal. So uh, I, it was, and then Canales had an opportunity too. Uh, I think, you know, I think if if uh, if Cole would have really wanted to get down and and do that tag there, he probably could have killed a couple of raghorns if he'd have really got with the program, but he was there really to help call. And he was just a, a trooper, man. Those guys really came to camp and helped us all out, but yeah. man, it was really cool searching. You know, we'd never been there before. So that big search and destroy is such big country. You just set guys out, go there, go there, go there and go there. And then let's report back. So, know? so that brings up, that brings up a very, good topic in my opinion is how how do you effectively cover an area like that with so many guys right a lot of guys will go into camp with two three guys and that'll be it right and they'll they'll go in and mm-hmm. then it's it's all the other hunters around them affecting the area so how do you effectively go in there with with not necessarily having a strategy i know there's some dialogue to be had there but if you go out and say okay we're we're hitting the ground day one and we're going to report back when we reconvene how do you go in and not blow that area for everyone else yeah, so, I mean, the real important thing is to understand what your wind direction is uh, coming out of camp and understanding, you know, hey, if we're going to go in this area, we got to do it the right way, you know. So, really, the pre the pregame before the game needs to happen. And the night before the night we moved camp, actually, get this, we go in there first day and we ride in there with everything, okay, and don't even set camp up. We ride in there and hunt the first morning, okay? So the night before when we were at our old camping spot, we got together and decided which which spot everybody was going. So everybody knew Gil and RC and Brendan were going over here. Uh, Joe and the Mafia, or Joe and Canales and Cole were going over here. And Brendan and, or, uh, and Luis and, and Manano were going in this direction. And it really... The cool thing with Onyx and base maps, it gives you wind direction in the morning, right? So you can really kind of look on your e-scouting and, and use your electronics to understand, all right, well, where am I going to start this part of my hunt, right? So we we saw it first off. Now, getting there was was a booger bear in the, in the day, in the dark. But, oh, you know, serious. once we got our bearings about us, um, we knew we're at, right where we were at. So it's the pregame that sets that for – you know, now we had, like I said, six, eight hunters in camp. So when it's two guys, man, you know, then you just got to kind of, I would, I would take it and make it like a, a big pie, right? Draw you a circle, how far you guys want to go, right? If it's five miles, if it's six miles or whatever it is. And then I just section that pie off this morning. We're going over here because it's the way the wind's really working for us. Right. And you're going to go over here right and if if the two herds start blowing up and we convene in the middle of them yay 
right? Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, uh, or you send him to the very opposite end of the spectrum. You send him over here, right? And you go over there and y'all work to come to the middle and and meet up, right? Uh, and then compare notes. But the pregame guy is, I think, more important than the game, right? You know, and, and understanding where everybody's going to be. So, but now that can change in the middle of the game. You know what I mean? No, it, especially it, if you strike into something. A lot of times it does, and a lot of times what happens is we'll is we'll pregame, right, and we'll do all the e scouting and planning, but then we're not planning around other hunters. Right. People For we sure. don't know other sure. camps, things sure. like that. So when that yeah. when it kind of goes south, you know, we we tend to booger out. And then a lot of times we'll try and fight through that additional pressure. That yeah. other group is trying to fight through that additional pressure. So then and we do. Yeah. And, and you I don't want to say you blow an area out. Right. You, you don't no, necessarily you, blow it out. Um, but you hope they don't either. Right. Because I've had guys come right straight in on a set because we were calling them in and they got the wind up their ass. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, what are what y'all are doing, doing, man? Yeah. yeah well, you're, you're killing this for everybody because y'all aren't respecting the wind. You know, they shouldn't, when we did that, we called them two guys off the top of that ridge and I had, we had the bull in the bottom working. The wind is coming up their ass the whole time. They should have never came down. They mm-hmm. were, they should have checked, checked the wind and went, look, it's Can't all wrong it. for us yeah. to dive it, dive down in there. Right. I had a guy did that a couple of years ago. Yeah, and and then respect it enough to go around, work around the the perimeter to get to get the wind. You know, folks won't do it, or just keep on rolling, man. Well, they but won't don't do dive it. off. Yeah, they, I know, they, I know they won't. But we hope that guys are learning enough to not do those things. But when they do, and they did to us, we didn't, man. We didn't do anything different. We just kept moving into the wind. You know, we shook their hands, and you know, relayed our 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 sentiments to them and and also a little bit of hey hey by the way right. you know um and, I, and look they were they were veterans you know so we had some mutual respect together ex-law enforcement ex-veteran you know so you know high-fived them and great to see them and you know another thing guys you and i are just we're we're a little different now too, man. I mean, we got a platform where we got to have a little bit of respect as well. You know, even when we're in the woods, you're representing Western contours. We're representing elk bros. You know, uh, I find myself being a lot more accommodating, you know, and I think there's something to say to that. I, I think we could all use a little more of that humble pie when we're in the woods with one another. And I think, I think you're rewarded for that down the road. Well, this conversation is about that respect to a point, right? I think if we have the conversation and we talk about the errors that we see or the errors that we, you know, that we work through, right. That provides some information and hopefully our lives on that, you know, on that public ground makes, makes it easier. And and, and nobody pointed their finger. Nobody, you know, nobody MF to one another. We were just like, I, I just, I was flabbergasted because we had that bull coming and, you know, I'm, and they're like, did y'all see that herd elk? <laughs> like, yeah, brother, we were, we were the herd elk. And they're like, no way. I'm like, yeah, I mean, that bull's coming to us because we got the party going on down here. And 
man, I said, did you guys not know when y'all bailed off that ridge at the wind? Man, we ain't heard or seen a bull in four days. There it is. There it is. And I'm like, I feel you, fellas. I said, but you can't just dive off every ridge and go chase a bull that you're going to burn before you get within 200 yards of him. Okay. I said, listen, in this country, you're never going to see an elk if they smell you. Ever. 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 Okay. So that this, this is it right here, right? Yeah. We ain't seen an elk in days. So the fact that you have not seen an elk in X amount of time, right, is more reason for you not to go and F your hunt up yeah. than, the, than the other, right? Yeah. Keep yeah. plugging away. Look at it and go, okay, if I rush in there with the wind up my ass, we're, we're, not, we're probably not going to see more elk. <laughs> so we're... We had the same thing. I call this area that we were hunting Bugle Basin, okay? I don't call it Bugle Basin because of the elk, bro. Like, we're coming down, and we're we're coming down literally a road. I wanted to drop down in this hole. We're coming down the the road, and we just hear piping. Dude, we go up, and it's like 11 o'clock, okay? They're sitting around the fire in camp. Everybody has a tube. They're hunting right out of camp. They're on basically a, a wide ridge. They're hunting right out of camp. And all they're doing is sitting there blowing bugles out of camp. Then we, you know, we get far enough away. So I'm like, okay, I'm a little comfortable with that. And we hear, we hear a little bugle down in the bottom. So I'm like, all right, this is not a bad deal. So I, you know, respond to that bugle. And then so if I'm if I'm facing my one o'clock to the northeast. I get a bugle back behind me, okay, mm-hmm. to my southeast after I respond to the bull I heard. Yeah. This bugle, I was like, shit, you know, this might be another bull. I hit, you know, just a little punky bugle, man. Just a nice little sweet, quick locate. Right. Right? This dude starts chuckling back. I go, motherfuckers, man. man. <laughs> like, really? Yeah. So now the, yeah. now the bull is quiet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, you know what? And I think we were like 10, 12 days in. I go, I'm, I'm just straight going to be an a-hole here. So I turned. Oh yeah. Here we go. I turned towards dude as he's chuckling and I just, I just hit him. I hit him. And that dude, that dude, same thing. He's running at me. Right. Mm -hmm. And he's chuckling. And I mean, just, just full send on the, on the bugle tube, bro. Right. But the, the whole time, I'm like, I, I wasn't upset because it didn't do anything to me. Yes, there is a level of what we do that influences the entire area we're in. And I yeah. try to be cognizant of how I'm approaching my strategy, understanding how many people are around me and how my strategy may or may not affect their outcome. Like mm-hmm. that may be a fool's game to play, but I'm very mm-hmm. cognizant of, I want everyone to have an opportunity and be successful. For sure, man. That's what we're all you, there. But when you're running with the wind up your arse and all you're yeah. doing every five seconds is chuckling Beautiful. and trying yeah. to get what you think is the bull to respond to that. Yeah. And you're not, you're not thinking about your success how the bull is responding to the wind up your ass and what you're doing. It's like, I can't do nothing, but I'm, I'm, 
I'm going to turn ugly. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I get you. You know what and I mean? It's, like, it's aggravating his all get out. For for me, too, we hunt always the first the first week. You know, we're in the woods the first week, usually a couple of days before doing some scouting and t- testing the waters, what the bulls are doing, what they're not doing, listening for any type of rutting activity. And 90% of the time, there's not any rutting activity going on, right? Well, you get out there and somebody hits you in the face early in the morning with a roundup bugle, you know, <laughs> right. or or a daggum, uh, you know, a, a daggum challenge bugle, and you're like, dude, you know the dang doing well. They ain't cowed up right now. There's what are we rounding up, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and lit ball and the whole night. I'm like, come on, man. Uh, bulls are just now starting to kind of feel themselves around, you know, and. Uh, it just it it tells you that that's another hunter, right? Um, now I can tell you this: you know, when you bugle and another bull bugles, it depends on what he's saying. It can really tell you where it's a hunter or not, right? When you cow call and a bull bugles, now that may be something you need to go mm-hmm. check out because they are definitely lovers more than they are fighters at that time of the year, you know. So presentation we talked about last night super key. Uh, but when you're with your partners and everything, it's super important to know that we're going to have people in the woods with us, you know, especially on do-it-yourself, public land hunting. You're going to plan for it. And there are just a few things that you got to know that are, are can clue you into whether that's another hunter or whether that's a real elk. And look, I, we come from the opinion 90% of the time, if you hear a bugle, you got to go investigate it, right? But now that we understand what bugles mean and what they're saying, there's a whole lot of them that don't make any sense in that time. You know what I mean? Or in that, or in that set. So when they're not making sense 90% of that time, it's going to be a human, you know? And because uh, I've heard some of the worst bugles come out of an elk. Right. And I've heard some of the most pretty three tone, you know, bugles mm-hmm. come out of an elk as well. So you don't know if that's a hunter or an elk. So you really need to go find it out. But it's the type of bugle you get during that time of year that should clue you in to whether, you know, whether we're in the midst of them or whether we got some tomfoolery going on <laughs> and some other guys, and you know, checking the water. And there's you know? the instances, man, where we're like, that's a hunter. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh. <laughs> it's not look at the bull right there yeah you know yeah you know I, I, you've heard us tell this story a thousand times joe and i and chav one time we're out and we entered we found two we called two hunters in and then we saw one of his buddies and his young sons like eight or nine years old it was so cool to see that young man out there hunting with his daddy and we sat and talked to him for about an hour and he said you know i saw a bull way up here jump a barrier and he said you know we came up here to kind of investigate he said, I heard the commotion going on down here. I said, well, what you heard is us putting on a party and stuff like that. And, and we called these other hunters in. They didn't want to have nothing to say to us. They just rolled on. But these two came in and were very cordial and very nice. And I was so, you know, we were so pleased to talk to the young man and see how he was coming with his elk calling and everything. We took 30 minutes out just to shoot the breeze with him. And guy, I'm telling you, we kind of just did a locate bugle, a few little cow calls like we're walking through the woods like a herd talk and I look up and ain't, I mean, those guys hadn't gone out of sight really. And we look up and there's five bulls coming at us, you know? So 
they had just come through that area. I mean, they just walked through there, man. So what I want everybody to know is just because somebody's came through an area doesn't mean that they're not elk approaching the area, especially if you guys have started making some elk sounds and stuff like that. I mean, it takes them 45 minutes to an hour sometimes to come, you know, half a mile, you know, just because they're, they're not really uh, all that hot to coming in. But these little bachelor groups are these, raghorn bulls which i'll kill every one of them that walks in front of me <laughs> if they if they do they getting it you know so uh I, there was a time man where it was big bull or nothing for big o you know so and and we love everybody where they're at in their hunting career you know uh and for me uh being able to spend my time with joe and chav is just so special and watch those i mean they're daggum we, you know, we call him the ninja for real because he's so smart, dude, you know, and uh, he's kind of like E.F. Hutton. And I'm kind of showing my age when E.F. <laughs> Hutton talked, people listen, you know what I mean? <laughs> so uh, it, Joe and Joe's just, you know, Joe's Joe. When you're yeah. around him, you're going to learn or you're going to go home. So yeah, the interesting uh, uh, and, and we'll get off of them two guys, yeah. the legends. And, but the, yep. the interesting thing about Joe is Joe is a meat hunter. Through and through, right? I mean, and Joe will be the first yes, one to admit it. But when you look at the type of meat hunter he is. He and, gets and, around some bigger bulls. Yeah, yeah. And then you realize, <laughs> I've like. I've been the byproduct of that, too, yeah, man. Yeah. I really have. And and I'm kind of, I kind of mirror that. You know, we get in, in amongst them, and the, if that rascal wants to play ball, I possess a skill set to get it done. You yeah. know what I mean? Which segues into. What what I know you wanted to talk about tonight was was finishing. Yeah, man. Know? So we didn't even do an intro, and we're twenty minutes no, in. No, we so, didn't. Uh, right. I'm on with Big O. If if you don't know the voice, then shame on you. But Gilbert Ornelas, Elk Bros fame, um, man. And I really wanted to. <laughs> Big O is a finisher. Like if you guys if you guys don't know Gil, you, you need to. The dude is a finisher. Um, has a ton of experience in the woods with elk, can shoot the bow, but has a knack for the confidence in I'm going to get it done. And I think that that is huge, huge, huge to walk in the woods with that attitude. man. So, yeah, we're here to I talk agree. about finishing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Man, guys, I can't thank you enough for having me on the show, dude. One of my favorite, most favorite podcasts to listen to. Uh, I don't even listen to ours as much as I listen to yours. I hate to say that, but I dig all your all, all your banter and everything. I love your platform. Um, huge fan. I uh, can't wait to spend a little time with you this year in the Elkwood. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, when Big O's in the house, the stories get big and we have a little fun. We might have a little libation going on as well. So uh, at, at the end of the day, man, I'm looking forward to all that. Uh, Joe has, I, I'm you know, I owe my success to Elk Bros, right? Uh, I owe my success to being around guys like Joe and Chav and, you know, and you guys. I learned so much from your podcast, right? I mean, I learned, I picked up a bunch of stuff from Jermaine just the other day, and, you know, uh, and from uh, your uh, Chris Rowe. I've, I've learned so much from those guys. So, you know, I'm a coach uh, by trade myself an elk coach that are, is on this coaching staff. But man, when the day you quit learning, man, is the day that you, you know, you probably ought to quit doing this. Mm -hmm. uh, so we, when I hunted with Joe going forward, 
uh, I wasn't, I mean, I was a deer killing hog slaying son of a gun, man. But when it came to elk, man, elk are different, man. It just really is. Your adrenaline gets into a state where everything you learn and then we bow hunt, right? So I'm not just talking about rifle hunting. I'm talking about bow hunting, especially. And we, we bow hunt every year and, it's my passion. It's what we love to do. We love to call bulls in. And so when we talk about finishing, it really was about getting that first one under your belt, right? Uh, it took me three tries to get that first one under my belt. Now, look, my first my first time out, I did arrow a bull, but we didn't find him until six weeks later, right? So, I mean, that's just wasn't good enough for me. I want to put my hands on him a whole nine yards. I mean, he hangs at the lodge, this, that, and the other, but uh, as, a, as a European, it's not the same. No. I didn't, you know, uh, it could have been a daggum bear that took him down after I made him sick. Who knows? You know what I mean? So, for me, I, and I was really disgruntled with myself because because like you, our practice time is, is, uh, is amazing. And I've said this many, many days. Games are where you go to be validated that your practice is really good, mm-hmm. right? So the hunt is where you go to be validated that what you've done all year was enough to put you in position to finish, right? I felt like I had done that. The the b- big thing with me is, a, you know, number one, I have asthma. Number two, I'm a bigger guy. So, man, huffing and puffing up around them, the mountains is tough on a fat boy like me. But if you got me, got me within 70, 80 yards of a bull, I, like you said, I possess a skill set that's pretty decent with archery equipment. And I've learned how to focus, right? And uh, I think that's the most important thing that we do as archers and elk hunters is you have to have the ability to shut things off and really focus on the most important part, which is harvesting that animal, which is putting that arrow where you want it to go. And then the number one thing about finishing is you got to start. You know what I mean? You have to draw your bow. You will never finish you will never finish, brother, if you don't draw your bow. So I think as as time wore on and the more opportunities I got and the pickier I got, because I'm telling you, I wasn't just drawing my bow on everything. And, and, and I got chastised for that. R.C. Knox, I hunted about three times with him. And he's like, dude, whether you kill that, bu- that bull or not, draw on him, man. You draw on him and get comfortable with how that feels. So I started doing that in that really helped my practice, right? So now if I'm out or, you know, at the ranch and there's cows or cattle around or anything like that, dude, I draw on them cows, you know, and I'll put that daggum pin right where it needs to go behind the shoulder, behind the crease where it needs to be. And I, I typically just hold on animals, you know, uh, same thing with deer, 90% of the deer that walk in there, if I'm going to pass him, I'm going to try to, we call it counting coup. Right. So, I mean, uh, it's an old uh, phrase that the Indians used to talk about how it was easier to go in camp and it was more like personal to go in camp and touch your touch your quarry than it was to kill your quarry. Mm -hmm. Right. So. Uh, we, we, we talk about that counting coup all the time and especially when we're, when we're management hunting and whitetails, but so I dove into more of that focus. Right. And then, you know, the first bull I killed, it was 
all focus, right? I had to be super focused, bulls screaming bloody murder in our face, and I never shrunk. And not to mention, we had about a quarter mile run to get there, and I was about ready to hyperventilate. <laughs> so I'm drawing, you know, and Joe, if the bull just keeps walking, Joe can stop him at 20 yards. Now Joe stops him at 48. <laughs> been watching me shoot at camp, and he's like, yeah, bull stops, broads, kind of quarter into us at 48. I smoked him, you know, uh, but it was, again, he went across a barrier and we couldn't go after him. We had to wait that night. Uh, so once we got our hands on him, though, God, that set off what I needed to what I needed to do to make it happen. Right. The things that I needed to do were focus more on getting the arrow to the bull in the right spot. Right. So I didn't just, I don't I couldn't have told you how many I, I really could not tell you how many uh, points that bull had. I, I couldn't have told you he was a six by six. Right. Would I just knew he was a mature bull and there's one I was not going to shoot. Right. And I see that in whitetail, too. When a whitetail walks in on me, if I don't know what he looks like from camera photos or something like that, where we've been hunting him, uh, if I don't know what he looks like, I just know he's mature. Right. And I don't care. I don't really get to looking at them horns because that'll mess you all up, man. You really get to look at there's an old billiards uh, guy that I used to shoot billiards with. He'd say, study long, study wrong. So at the end of the day, man, when it's ready to go and you know you're going to take him out, you draw the bow and get it done. Right. You know, there, there's instances where we're going to draw and we got to hold and the animal acts funny. Uh, but for the most part, man, you should. Carpe diem, man. You you seize the day. You know, you seize the moment and you draw and and you get to it. But it's a process. Uh, it's a process, guy, of your practice doing it. You know what I mean? So I said this a thousand times. Your practice will validate how well you are in game day. Right. So how do you how do you implement that, right? If if you're at the range, are you mm-hmm. are you walking yourself through previous scenarios are you giving yourself new visuals uh and and using like a visualization technique um you know while you're there and and that's what i do is i'll talk to myself you know i'll draw back at at a 50 yard target right and and then you know have to work through you know 40 okay he's 35 he's sitting at 25 oh he's back to 40 and then you know okay there it is and then i'll just i'll go ahead and pull through and the whole time like i'm i'm literally in my mind Right. With that pin trained, I'm I'm on an elk. You know, when I pass through those targets, I'm on an elk in here. Um, I think visualization is huge. And I'm it is. I, I, I'm good. Like I'll start like ooh, I'll get all excited. But man, when I draw back, my respirations a, are a right. son of a bitch when yeah, I'm on yeah. an animal. But yeah. when that when that pin is on that shoulder, it's it's yeah. business time. Rock solid. Yeah, and you have to be. Yeah. In in it's the it's that preparation though that gets you there, right? It's uh it's so I shoot from my knees a lot in my practice because I know the area that I hunt has a whole lot of undergrowth has a whole lot of limbs and stuff like that with with room to shoot. So we we practice a lot from our knees, right? And I don't just practice from our knees from a sideways position and shoot a target. No, I'll position my knees over there and have the target over here and I'll have to draw the bow and then Rotate. move myself, you know, with my torso to shoot at it. And I don't shoot at a, at just a target. I don't shoot at an animal target. I put 
I put little bitty stickers on that target, right? Like little bitty post-it stickers, but they're small, little round ones, and they're red, okay? And I can see that red, you know, out to 70, 80 yards. And I know that I need to be around that little sticker, you know, we call aim small, miss small, Mm -hmm. right? And uh, so I don't, and I I shoot at various spots on that target. I might have three, okay? My first arrow in the morning might be from 70 yards, and there's only two spots on that target that I'm going to shoot that bull at, right? So one of them's from kneeling and the other one's from standing, uh, and it's a very narrow corridor that I shoot down through. Uh, so I got everything that's commotionable on the outside, but I really got to learn how to focus in a narrow plane, right? When we're shooting out in the wide open, we don't have anything, you know, to bother us or anything, but there are a lot of obstacles that I put in my way. So that focus gets narrower, right? Now, I don't mean the type of focus where we get tunnel vision and we're not looking at the peripheral, mm-hmm. right? Because especially when you've got another bull working in over here or something, you don't want to just get tunnel vision. Uh, they taught us, you know, in the sheriff department and when we went through training that you got to scan, you always got to be scanning, right? You don't want to get that tunnel vision. So part of my training is to scan and assess and everything. But once you get locked in on an animal, right, and he's coming, it, for me, it's never about looking at him, his whole his whole self. It's about finding that, tough like to you hair. said, that tough to hair. It. It's about finding, for me, it's finding the crease on the animal and looking for his off leg, whether it's coming to me or away from me, right? So now it's about angles and it's about understanding that angle and being within, you know, that much of that angle to send it through just, just high a center we're going to walk up on him, put our hands on him, brother. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, so this is 10 years in a row that we've put our hands on one man. And, uh, you know, I've been hunting elk 13 years and I, you know, I fully 100% expect to walk out there on opening day. And if I have an opportunity to get it done now, I've had some limitations this year cause I tore my bicep off the bone. So I haven't been able to shoot as much. But the quality in my practice has been really good. So I will probably rein some of the longer, longer range stuff in, especially uh, if the variables, uh, if the variables are warranting that. Uh, but I, man, sixty yards and in, dude, I feel really good. Right. You know, uh, I feel as, as as solid as I ever was. The arm is weaker. I can't hold it back as long. So it has some limitations, but you got to figure that in too in your practice, mm-hmm. right? If you've gone through an injury or so, I mean, Joe's been dealing with it too, with his shoulder, right? So when you got to figure that in with your practice. So I know what my limitations are going to be. Uh, and, but for me, man, it's that confidence. And anytime you put me in a scenario and uh, you get a bull in front of me, and he gives me the opportunity to draw my bow. I don't give a damn whether he boogers or whether he stands broad. If he stands broadside, he's just going to take it like a man. Yeah, it's a done deal. But I've had so many bulls booger like we did this last year, but I know I can stop them. It's just depending on how far they're going to run. And then it's about our practice, understanding what 40 or 50 yards looks like, right? How much of your practice have you done just going out there and judging distance? 
you know, so we don't have to get to the range finder first, right? We understand what 40 yards looks like. For that matter, you know, understanding your pin gaps, right? A, a lot of guys yeah. are running around with, with three pins, uh, a yeah. single or double stack vertical, um, no. you know, or they got five pins, but ain't shot gaps. You know yeah. what I mean? And you start talking five yards on the right or wrong, you know, up or, or downhill on a, on a good angle, man, that, that, that misjudge on that pin gap, man, can mean, you know, an arrowed bull, um, too high or too low or a completely missed bull, um, yeah. because of that, man. I want to go back to something that you said in, in talking yes. about scanning, right? So in my head, part of a part of the finish, right. Is, is that when we get to that point where, okay, he's coming in or I'm going to get to this point, here's my setup is understanding what you have in front of you. Right. And, and going, okay, there's a lane, there's a lane, there's a lane, there's a lane. And if you're one of those guys kill him right here, yeah, yeah, well then just, you know, understand what, what scans, so, but don't just do this. Don't head side yeah. to side understand what's in that shooting lane. Okay. I, I'm clear here. I got two branches. It looks like there, I got a little twig there. Understand where you're at and what those sh- yeah. shooting lanes look like as you're there in your setup. So as that bull comes in and he's moving and if he doesn't stop exactly where you want him to, then you're not worried about the shot as he's coming through that setup. Um, yeah. I, I've seen that with pig. I've seen it with deer. I've seen it with turkeys, sure. dude, where it's like, Oh crap. You know, it's like, what, what happened? Well, I, I thought yeah. he was going to be there, but he was over there. Well, you've been standing there for five minutes. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, what did you do with that five minutes? Well, I just thought he was coming right there. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, you know, I, I get humbled a lot, a lot of times archery hunting. I did it this past year. I had about 165 pound sow come rolling up in there on us and she's walking in from the left hand side. I draw, I'm like, dude, this slam freaking dunk. Right. <laughs> and my, my son's got the, got the video rolling and everything. I'm at full draw, man. She's walking in, walking in. I don't like shooting anything walking. Right. I want them to stop. And man, she stopped just a second. And I got to lean in on that trigger, man. And she turned to the left hard, dude. Poof. It went <laughs> off. And man, it just cut her right across the nose. Oh, man. damn. And uh, yeah, I mean, I leaned a little too hard on it, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm like, why in the world did I not let that pig roll up in there and get comfortable, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I shot her too quick, you know? So again, these are, man, these are wild animals. They don't do everything that we think right. they're going to do when they coming in there. Understand that if you stop them, they're going to look at you They're If you cow call to them, yeah. if you cow call to them, if you meow at them, I mean, whatever you want to do, uh, they're going to stop. And when they, their fatal flaws, they're going to stop broadside and they're going to look at you. You better have had your stuff drawn already. Mm, right. I was going to say, uh, because you, you're going to have that two and a half seconds. You're going to have that two and a half, maybe three seconds. I'm telling you that bull stood, I didn't count it, but I bet it was over four seconds that bull stood last year that I shot after I stopped him because I needed to get a range. I, I'm like, I think he's 50. And then Brendan finally said 53 and he didn't get three out of his mouth. And you heard it. <laughs> it was going, but he was already getting ready to leave when the arrow got to him, you know? So, uh, learning how to finish is about experience. Uh, and the more experience you have doing it, the better finisher you become, you know, I, I'll never forget Carl Gamage and Joe telling me 
Gilbert, when you kill the first one, it's going to be like a snowball rolling downhill, son. We won't be able to stop it. It's going to get easier for you. The harvesting part, the finishing part has always gotten easier for me. It's getting yourself into that position. And, and again, some of the areas we hunt are, whew, man, brood, they're brutal, right? I mean, you're talking a full night's pack out to get something out. But luckily, I hunt with some of the baddest cats in the world, and they'd help me because otherwise I'd have to take a daggum loaf of bread up there and eat his ass, you know, <laughs> if I had to do it by myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, it, it's a team sport for us. Man, we get it done. It's a, if one guy gets it done, we all get it done, mm-hmm. you know. But finishing is about experience. And I got to say, the best finishers are the guys that have failed a bunch, too. I mean, you take a look at Luis, man. It's four years of getting his, you know, ass whipped, you know. And then all of a sudden, dude, here he comes, you know. He kills the first one, and then it gets easier. And now he's calling his own bulls in. And, you know, Manano's helping him. And, you know, Manano's a savage, dude. You get that guy in the woods, and he's straight savage. Like, you know, kill mode. That guy is an absolute killer. And he's an unbelievable finisher. Very good archer. What I think, and I think another thing that really separates good finishers is understanding geometry, understanding angles, right? Trajectory uh, of that arrow. Tra- yeah. Yep. Man, it really makes a difference. And I think you get to understanding that the more you shoot, right? And the more different types of shooting you do. I don't do a whole lot of 3D shooting, but I do a lot of hunting in the woods, whether it be squirrels. You, you name it, man. We're hunting them with a bow, right? I haven't done many birds or and gone Tim Wells yet where we're shooting birds out of the sky and stuff <laughs> like that. But, bro, at the end of the day, when we hunt, when we go hunting, we're hunting with our bows, you know, <laughs> whether it's a raccoon that's coming in or a wild hog or a coyote or, or whatever it is, you know, that we're going to try to kill it with our with our bows. So one of the, um, one of the parts of. Well, there's so many, there's so many things we could talk about with this, right? Yeah. I mean, if you, if you go, if you go start to finish on a, on a setup, right? Like if I'm at the range, I mean, that means diaphragm in my mouth. That yeah. means, you know, stopping the, stopping the animal, you know, I'm drawing, I'm stopping the animal and I'm, you know, I'm moving with that animal. I'm steady, you know, I'm, I'm letting it fly. And then I'm going right into my reload process. Right. Oh, yeah. And I'm on the diaphragm. Like I've had guys look at me at the range. Like, <laughs> yeah. They look at me like, what's my fuckers call it? What, what do you got a diaphragm in your mouth? Yeah. You know? And yes. I, and I just tell them like, dude, this is part of my process. Like I'm walking through scenarios in my head as I do this. If I do it now, it I've been there when the time yeah. comes, I have been there because you know, yeah. the bull I'm waiting for, he's going to set yeah. me a fire. Right, he is. Exactly. <laughs> me lots of tears. He's gonna yes, set me man. a fire, and and yes. I don't want to be in front of that bull. Finally, in front of that bull, finally broke him down to where he gets within that range and blow it because I haven't worked through the process. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So it's like it's every single bit of that, man. Start to flip and finish for me. Yeah, and and for me, guys, for me, it's in the setup. Right. And we got him coming uh, or we went in there and snuck in on him. Uh, I'm a I'm a firm believer that if you ain't got to say nothing, don't. 
Because <laughs> the less they know, the better you are. If you can roll up in there silent and ninja style and go in there and put a shiv in him and not have to not have to make a sound, come in there like a thief in the night, son, that's a way to go do it. Brother, you, you bring know? up an excellent point, right? Because ev- oh, there's a few guys, okay? But almost every single thing we hear about elk, and I've been wrong in this, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm deadly with spot and stalk. But when it comes to elk, I forget spot and stalk exist. Like, yeah, no, not me. I realize yeah, I get you. I get you because you want to. Yeah, wanna get after him yeah, with the call, man. Yeah, yeah. and I realize in love with that. Yeah, and I realized that last year. I'm like, dang, that's funny, man. I've I've been very successful in the in the pig woods and in you know the deer, um, yeah. mule deer and blacktail, and it's like, why, what, like that don't make any daggum sense. Yeah, so. Man, dude, spot and stuff. There's guys that are successful every year. They don't, they locate them and they just creep yep. in on them, man. They, they play do. the wind they and use, they creep they in on them. They use the wind. Yeah. They use the wind. They use their travel corridors, man. They understand their habits and they wait on them to make a mistake, right? Wherever they're going to go. They're, you know, like Cody's dad. I mean, he hunts water. They're going to come to water eventually. You sit there for 30 days. There's somebody, something's coming in there, man. And you're going to be able to put one in him. I mean, look, I'm going to tell you right now, if we, <laughs> yeah, I'm not either, but I'm going to tell you, if we, every one of us would have sat the water hole that Chav sat on, we'd have all killed bulls. Every one of us. Damn. I mean, they walk in there 25 yards, slam dunk, you know, and, and you just got to put your time in, you know. For me, I'm not that kind of hunter either, Man. guy. I'm, I'm, and when I'm in Elkwood, I got my feet up under me. I, I got one speed. It's four-wheel drive, and it's slow. But at the end of the day, man, if I can get there, that's that rascal's in serious trouble, mm-hmm. you know. So – it's the setup for me, and then I really focus on the finish part. But for me, it's getting the bow, dr- getting the bow drawn back. When I draw that bow back, I have another process. So as soon as I get the bow drawn back, my first thing I'm looking at is the animal. I'm not looking at my pen, right? I'm looking at the animal. I see exactly where he's standing, where he might have already stopped or whatever. But now I'm looking for where I want to put the arrow, not necessarily my pen, where I want to put the arrow, right? And when it gets to that point, my thumb will rotate to the back of my neck. And when my thumb touches the back of my neck, my finger is on the trigger and the pin is somewhere in that. (laughs) I can't really tell you that pin is where I want it to be. Right. Because it's subconscious in that, in that floating area of where I need that arrow to go. Mm -hmm. Right. If I'm telling you, okay, I'm aiming at this hair coming off the right hand side. Probably not. It's in that vicinity and it feels really good to me. Before I know it, it's gone, man. And look, I, you know, like I said, I think the last six bulls I've killed guy have taken a, an average of maybe 40 yards before they expired. Yeah. I mean, did it feet up in seconds. Two years ago, we killed that bull. He was dead in 17 seconds. I mean, graveyard dead, brother. There wasn't no waiting around for two hours because he was stone stone dead laying over there. Same thing with the one that I killed way up there on the side of that mountain. But, I mean, we know where to shoot them, right? We know where to put the arrow. The biggest part is knowing when to draw. And that comes with just a matter of, of doing it a bunch, 
I, I, you heard me last night say on the podcast, you heard me last night talk about me just spending time with an elk herd after I'd already killed Dude, a bull, right? It's the only way to go. I mean, it is really the way to go to learn how to finish, man. How we go, we called three of those bulls in there to each one of them would have died, right? Because of the setup we had, the bulls walk in from right to left. They got a pass within a whole bunch of crap. They walk out on the other side. You draw. I mean, look, we stood there and, and, and I made a motion like I'm drawn. Bull just looks at us, you know, he ain't booger. He just looks at us. I'm like, wow, it's a big old six by six, 300 inch bull, you know? I'm like, holy crap. We put so much emphasis on us being so still and so stealthy, man, that you got to understand those are big critters and they expect to see big critters when you're using this, Mm -hmm. you know? They're not expecting to see somebody small in a silhouette that's camouflaged up, you know? So when they do see that, they give it a little time to try to figure things Process out. It, yeah. And, yeah. And that's when you make, that's when you make your move, you know, uh, but you need to have all of those things in play before you get to the elk woods. You know, I, I, and I didn't, I was good at whitetail shooting, but you know, they're coming to walk into some feed or an area a water hole or whatever. And I mean, they, you're going to, you're going to, there's a smaller area for you to shoot them, uh, but they're not breathing fire and brimstone at you when they walk in. They're not in your face. And, you know, you got 40 other eyes all around you and everything. Man, that's it's, a, that's it's a unnerving. Big deal. Yeah, it, it is a big deal. It is very, I don't know if unnerving is the right word. It is to a point, but the excitement. Right. And, and, and oh. some of the vocalizations, even even some of the lower stuff, man, it just feels like it pierces you. Right. It goes it right does. through you. You it's have right to be able to deal with that S while you're trying to kill that animal. You know what I mean? It's like. Yeah. And, it, and it's part of that focus. man. Yeah. It's part of that focus of leaving that alone. And I, I, I can't I can't say enough how much. Woods with elk get you to feel better about that Mm -hmm. because it's not foreign anymore. It's not like it's, it's the norm. You've been there, done that. You've worn a t-shirt. You know, we, we coach softball down here at the 16, 18 U level and get kids ready to go play ball in college. I tell them all the time, softball is really a sport of mastering the art of boredom through repetition. (laughs) You know, I mean, (laughs) You just got to do the same things over and over and over again to be successful, you know, and get good at that muscle memory. It's the same thing with us when we're elk hunting, man. You got to get really good at doing the same things that make you successful. So we found what makes us successful is is the setup and drawing your bow, man. So- and, I'm sorry. Whether they booger or not, go ahead, buddy. Talk about talk about setup a little bit, right? And that that's been one of my bigger struggles as I've been progressing through, you know, and, and dealing with these the the ass kicker bulls, if you will. Um, I mean, setup is I'm gonna say level of importance, right? Setup is above any call that you're going to make. Right. I'm going to put setup right there behind or right next to, excuse me, uh, playing the win. Because if your setup is bad, you could be the the linguist of the year behind that tube or on that, you know, diaphragm. And you ain't getting shit. You won't get an opportunity. Nothing. Exactly. 
So I think all of us are guilty of falling into love with the talking, right? We get loving the, the conversation, right? We, we dig ourselves. We love to hear ourselves talk. We love to hear them answer. When in all reality, we got the first, we got the first uh, response. Now we got to go get in the middle of his shit kitchen, right? We got to go get in his bubble, right? So guys really will make a sound and they get a response. And I'm, I look, I've been part of this party, right? Uh, when my in my younger elk hunting career, we oh we got one that answers. Okay, well let me let me do this to see if he'll answer back. Arr! No, he didn't say anything. All of a sudden, you hear him go. It's like, oh man, he he he's talking to. Is he talking to me? No, he wasn't talking to you. He was talking to all them cows, right? <laughs> so the first time you got that bugle, you should have cut all that distance in half, right? And depending on how far he is. But most guys don't cut that distance immediately. Right. Most guys will want to see, they want to test, take his temperature a little more. If a bull is four or 500 yards away and you get a response, you better immediately cut that distance to 200. Well, we don't. We, right. we stop and we set up right there. Yeah. <laughs> and that, man, and yeah, on the edge of a daggum park, mm-hmm. right? So, and you've got 140 yards of park in between you and the next tree line. When you should have crossed that park, went into that tree line about 40 yards, and then made your setup, right? In, in the thicker stuff, because he can't see you as well. So he's going to want to come. If he gets to the edge of that park, he's expecting to see an elk, right? So it's that spot and stop and scan that we talked about the other night that's so important. Don't give them that opportunity. I think setups are won and lost by where they are in proximity to the cover, right? Uh, you either win in that battle or you're losing it majorly. But I think most of us are more guilty about the ones that love to hear ourselves call. Okay. And look, I've been privy to this, even with some of the best callers in the country that we get in the middle of that. And instead of us walking into their life and killing them stone graveyard dead, we go sit back there and bugle and chuckle Mm -hmm. and everything else and wonder why in the heck is this bull not not coming coming over here? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Joe and I last year, we, we got to spend a little time, or not last year, the year before, we got to spend a little time together early, which I love, man, because just learning from that guy and sharing time with him is, is special. But uh, I got to go out there with him and we started calling bulls the first day, right? And responding the whole nine yards. We actually had six bulls come in there on us and neither one of us drew our bow. We're videotaping and I mean, could have killed every one of them. And he's like, okay, you go ahead and kill him. I said, Joe, my bow, I don't even have my bow out. I got my phone <laughs> out, right? I'm videoing you with the decoy. And he's like, oh, no, dude. <laughs> goes, I mean, it, we get so involved in having fun with this that yeah. we really lose sight of getting in there and finishing. And Joe goes, well, did you really want to shoot one on the first day? And I'm like, hell <laughs> yeah. to the yeah, Joe. You know, yeah, man, I'm I'm not, I'm, I'm an equal opportunity guy, you know. But it was special. We got to do that together and have fun. Again, another great learning session being around herds of elk, you know, and, and bulls, right? Learning more bull behavior and things mm-hmm. like that. But our setups were so unique because it's just me and him. 
but we had all of that cover. We did all of our setups were within cover, not near parks. And now there were parks on the outskirts of us. We crossed parks to get in the middle of that cover to actually have those bulls coming to us. Right. Uh, but again, when we really go get it done, uh, we throw caution to the wind and absolutely pound the ground to get in the middle of their, in the middle of their bubble. Right. And I find when we're more aggressive going to the sound, right. We're way more successful than when we fall in love with communicating with them. Now, once you get in that hundred yard bubble, 150 yard bubble, that's when you can start really manipulating the the elk right you can really because now he knows how close you are to him he really can gauge that four or five hundred yards out even a quarter mile he knows i ain't in danger yet right but you cut that distance to 200 and in now he's he's a he's a little more upset because now you're infringing upon his territory Mm -hmm. right so those are the big things i think guy that number one our setup needs to be better in cover instead of on the edges of things uh, and always have the cover behind you, right? Don't have cover in front of you because that's going to limit your shot opportunities, right? And when you're in a bunch of cover that's got a canopy, get on your knees. You can weave things under there. If we're standing up the whole time, it's really hard to find it through those limbs, but get on your knees, you know? Uh, And that, that has helped me, Man, I don't know, killed half the bulls I've ever killed been from my knees, right? So I think one of the issues, too, that comes from our setup is we we tend to go in and we're we're visualizing what we think they're going to want to see, but we're also right. looking for lanes, right? And we mm-hmm. want this big, broad, wide open lanes. area of shooting lanes. And do that'll kill yeah. you every time, right? The more yeah, lanes you give yourself the less opportunity you're going to have to have that bull come into you and really check out where you're at. Um, And I've seen that. I've seen that quite a bit in, in what I've been doing, um, watching buddies do it. It's like, Ooh, man, this is way too, I mean, shit, they, they pick you off visually 70 yards further than you think they're going to see you. They know where you're calling from, right? And if he has, call it a dominant position and he, and you're bringing him down, man, he's going to have a spot. He hits that little contour change. Oh, it should be right there. And I've had him do it, dude. I'm raking and I can hear the bull raking and he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. He gets to a point and then he's gone. And it's like, okay. So now, and, and here's, Here's what I do that I find huge benefit. If I blow a situation, it's not the it's not the bull. It was me. If I blow it, I'm going to give it a little bit of time. I'm going to try and work that bull to get him to speak or whatever it is again. And then I'm going to go see what happened. And the only way that I'm going to learn from that experience is me going up to where he was at, where I last heard him, where I think he was, and mm-hmm. surveying and and you know, I don't care. Oh, look, leave yeah. something on the tree. Hang your bugle tube yeah. so you can go up and say, okay, that's my back asthmith right there. That's where I was standing. Yeah. And look back to where you were at. And you'll you'll realize, man, I F that one up. He could yeah, see me from right here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was I was yeah. standing right here. This wasn't, you know, this wasn't what I thought it was. We don't spend that time doing that, right? We 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 the bull held up. And then that's it. We don't think of that anymore. We're not evaluating what we have done in that situation that we created to screw it all up. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, within that setup really needs to, you're, you really need to take into consideration your wind direction and what time of day it is or, or my thermals going to start getting affected. Right. I mean, as we're getting into the later morning, you know, those thermals are going to turn and go up, you know? So if the bull gets above you, you really, and even if the wind's in your face at times, as those thermals start switching, it, you'll catch a little swirl or something and those thermals will ease that scent to more towards the bull. Right. So you've got to, your setup needs to be dynamic, not static. You need to understand that we're on that wind sniffer a bunch. And if we're not getting what we need, we need to improve our position to make it happen. Right. And it's so okay. Many of my, it's yeah. okay to move. Right. If you oh, feel yeah. like, Oh, oh man, oh, you know, yeah. this wind is switching on me. Hey, booger and move, you know, move. Yeah. Oh, there it goes. I don't know what the hell happened. And my screen went black. Sorry about that. Um, oh, sorry. You know, move a little bit, right? And and yeah. I'm, dude, I'm hunting benches, right? I'm going to yeah. work the piss out of a bench. I would prefer to give the bull the dominant position. So I'm going to try and keep him uphill of me, right? The best I can and see how that wind affects it, but really play parallel and just stay downwind. You know, yeah. I, I feel like they... They have a tendency to work towards you a little bit faster from that dominant position. I've had bulls downhill of me stay for 35 minutes, and it was just my boy. He was too wide open for him to even get down on that bench to try and get a shot, right? But we, So I was like, okay, well, we'll just use this as a learning gem, right? And, dude, I've sat back off the top of that little, that little break, and we played that bull – Maybe it wasn't 35 minutes. Maybe it was 20, right? Sure, that bull was sure. down there for a minute, dude. I mean, sure, he, he sure. hung down there, and he just did the same thing. Like, hey, baby, I'm over here. And we just right, played. Right. We well, What happened was is this guy, he's walking on a – he's right below base camp. I mean, literally right below base camp. And and that's something else I want to talk about is where you set up camp, right? So this mm -hmm. – I try to set up camp where I'm not going to affect the area that I'm hunting in. Sure. And and this is a prime example. We're at camp. We're eating dinner, right? <laughs> yeah, he's right below yeah. us, dude. He's, yeah. he's 50 yeah. yards from us, you know, down this slope in transition to where he wanted to be. And I'm like, oh, crap, you know, guy, grab your bow. So we get yeah. over there, man, and I just started. I hit him with it. Ooh. You know, and he, he piped off again, but he kept, he was moving. He was moving. He's moving. I'm like, okay, he's still going. He's not stopping to that. He's just basically. So I just introduced a, another bull. I jumped yeah. back a little bit, introducing And what I ended up doing was a breeding sequence, man. Right. When I, when I got about a third of the way through that breeding sequence and I started raking, dude, that dude was at the bottom of the hill, just thrashing, thrashing, thrashing. Wow. Ooh, ooh, hitting us with the bull mute. Just thrashing. Right. Th and I'm like, guy, get down. He's like, I don't know where to go. It's, you know, it's some yeah. of those hillsides. Damn, it yeah. looks like it's a, a reprod, Plus. right? Yeah. yeah mm -hmm. you, you just, there was no way for him. I shouldn't say that. Right. He could have ducked out farther, right? And then kind of <laughs> come in on that side. But whatever, inexperience. Um, sure. But we we worked that bull and watched him. And, and he was a nice little rag, man. Just a rag for, but a, uh -huh. a genuine, you know, stellar bull for my boy. And, Absolutely. Uh, and it was like, okay, we know he's here. You know, we, it was like, let's go back to camp. He He's here yeah. for tomorrow. Um, sure, sure. He wasn't, but, you know, that's besides yeah. the point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, so for me, you know, God, for me, when we get in those situations and we need to move and be, be uh, 
be fluid, right, and, and uh, dynamic. Mm-hmm. Uh, those static situations really get you, they get you burnt, right? But as you're going to become more fluid and more more dynamic in your setup, you need to understand it. They've already known you're there, right, because you've made calls already, right? So when you move, just start making a little hurt talk, man. You, you're going to crack things and, you know, you're going to make noise, but – Make noise that sounds like other elk, mm-hmm. you know. So you you'll you'll go. I mean, just as you're walking around, right? Just a little bit, and you can even you know if you've introduced that bull, you know, like a little more pleading. But you know, most of the time when you're walking, just a little bit of elk sound to cover what you're doing and they're, they're not alarmed at all. Those pleading sounds, right dude, those yeah. pleading sounds are like, Hey, yeah. I, can you, I don't know that you can say everything is okay. More than yeah. a, I want to be with you pleading sound. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean that exactly. It's like the comfort level that, 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 that portrays is huge. Yeah. Absolutely. And that pleading sound, man, is, I mean, they will they will knock the woods down to come mm-hmm. to you, especially the cows, right? So if you find a bull that's got cows like that, you can walk right in to their lives. I have done it with Sir Joe Gillia. We have walked through the middle of a herd of elk and never boogered anything, man, because they're all thinking, here comes another herd of elk. Yeah. I've, I've heard Paul Medell say, I bugled my way right to that bull and killed him. He walked right through the herd and I, did it. Yeah, Paul smells like elk, though, at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I've seen it happen. Yeah. Joe did it right in front of me. We walked right through. Joe ran. I walked. But at the end of the day, we walked right through the middle of that herd. And there were probably 35, 40 bulls, 200 cows. I mean, it was crazy what you can get away with. But you got to sound the part, guy. Mm-hmm. You can't be stealthy and crack a twig and not say anything. And then they catch your movement. If you're walking through there, sound like a herd elk. They don't know how many feet you got. They don't really understand what you look like. If they don't smell you, they, everything's good because they hear another herd of elk, you know? So I want guys to understand that in your setup, don't get so freaked out that you don't do anything, right? If you need to move, make the elk sounds, you know, work on a good cow sound, work on a good pleading call and Move, man. Move yourself to in your position and don't be afraid if that bull is a couple hundred yards from you and he's not doing what you want him to do. Just get on a cow call, a pleading cow call, a lost cow call, and call your way into his bubble. Okay, so rewind. Add the scanning part in to what Gil just said because the risk is you're focused, you're trained on where you want to go, you're pleading, yep. you're walking in, chances are you're going to get animals coming into you, right? Yeah, Whether it be man, a cow, be calf, a spike, <laughs> yeah. right? You better Best be ready. ready. Don't yeah. wait. Okay. And, and knock an arrow is my opinion. Yeah. Oh right? man, have to have an arrow knock. Get Absolutely. the arrow knocked. Um, yeah, 100. I, Can't I, finish you if you don't start. Well, the reason I say that, and, and I said it with caution, because there's guys that, well, you don't want to walk around the woods with your arrow out, blah, blah. And I'm like, 
and they make it a safety issue. Knock a freaking arrow. Yeah, right. Man. We yeah, had be careful. We yeah. had, I think it was two years ago. And uh, man, we, we were hunting this. I, I love these three benches that I'm talking about. And we got beat. They were ahead of us that morning. We watched the herd with a, with a nice little bull moving down in front of us. So to stop them, I didn't want to alert them too hard. Right. So I just, and then I moved over, grabbed my rake and stick out and I just started hitting the brush boy. So the bull stops, he's broadside for my buddy. And then I look and I tell my buddy Caesar, I'm like, dude, knock, knock an arrow. And he's like, yeah. he's looking at me, right? He's his back's, he's like, huh? And I'm like, knock an arrow, thumper, thumper. And he goes, yeah. what? I go, dude, you have cows right behind you, bro. He did. He did the full on Michael Jackson spin to go around. Like he didn't even think about knocking an arrow. Yeah. And he spun around, dude. There was there Oof. was a no covey of quail, dude. There was a cow and a calf seven yards off of him, and then three more cows twelve yards. And they were like, "Well, who the hell is this raking?" I'm in. I'm this little knob I'm on. I'm wide right. ass open. I got a sure. stick in my hand. I don't look nothing like a bull. And they're just standing there looking at me like, what is this dude doing? In the yeah, meantime, you got Drew trying to, yeah, you're trying to move forward. And I'm like, that tells you right there. They, they stood there until C spun around and then started fumbling. That's when they blew out. But it's like, yeah. those animals are going to come in. If you're playing that ride and there was, we had, you know, several boots, so as we're walking, you know, and we see that they don't know, they can't do no. it. was like, as long as they didn't have the win, like you said, they're going to hold there for a few seconds. I think if Caesar wouldn't have panicked to get the arrow knocked, them animals would have let him kill him. You know, absolutely. Every he single one knocked an arrow and killed. Oh, ki I know it. I know it for a fact, guy. He, he's, he, he. Only thing he yeah. didn't do was stand on his tippy toes, bro. It was like it, <laughs> moon walked backwards. Yeah, yeah. it was just That's so right. cool, right, to be in that position. And C didn't care. That was his first year in the Elkwoods. He was like, "Hot damn, that's a big ass animal." And I'm like, yeah, and that, was just, that was just that was just like a, a cow horse with antlers." Yeah, bro. Mode. I was like, "That yeah. was just the cows, bro. cow." Yeah. yeah. So you brought up something that was really good, man. Uh, you know, as we're as we're in these setups and uh, and you see that that's happening, right? You put yourself in that position. You've made you were raking and doing all the things that you needed to do to gather more. You know, when you roll a stone downhill, it gathers moss, mm -hmm. right? So as we're pro projecting and in our setup, we're we're casting our line out there, casting calls. We got to know that those animals are going to react. They want to be around others, especially young bulls, man. They want to be around other young bulls. They want to be around calves, stuff like that. I, I can tell you they will let you knock an arrow. And like you said, your buddy didn't have an arrow knocked, right? So when we, we were hunting benches last year, on the bottom bench, we started, okay, and it was a mofo getting to the bottom bench, okay? We finally get there. It's probably about 7 in the morning. I start out with just a little scenario, right? Start out with a little bit of a scenario of a, uh, a little rut fest going on. We're making some bugles, and and then we're raking and panting and stuff like that. RC, the urge hits him. He's got to go to use the bathroom. So he goes off. It's me and Brendan. Brendan walks back to me once and goes, Big O, did you hear a bugle? 
I said, and the wind was kind of up, you know, I said, you know, I thought I heard one above you over there, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure. He said, I think you had a bull answer you. I said, well, I said, go back over there to where you were and sit there and let's just wait a minute. And I'll start cow calling again and, you know, pleading and stuff. I went straight to that lost cow call. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, RC walked up and he goes, I heard a bull. I said, where? He said, I heard one above y'all. I said, okay. So there was a bull up there. Well, man, we waited around a good, I don't know, 40, 45 minutes guy and nothing. I probably wasn't 45 minutes, probably more like 25 minutes. (laughs) It's always longer, bro. (laughs) Yeah. And we just, well, it's a hike. Okay. It is a freaking hike to get up there. So we start up, man, and we're going and we're going and going. We know that at the top of these two benches are wallows, right? Or ponds. Okay. We get to the first, to the first, uh, the second bench. We do another little scenario, stuff like that. Nothing really, man. The wind's starting to get up pretty good. So we're like, all right, well, we want to be at the top of that wall here right at eight o'clock. So because that's generally when these animals are going to stop on a destination, they'll stop here at this wall before they go bed down. Right. So uh, get water, wall stuff like that. So we get up there. It's right at eight o'clock. And man, for 10 minutes, I put on a bugle fest, not even a, a rut fest, man. We're really just having a bull with cows glunking. And I mean, he's up there doing his thing, right? We stopped. Okay. Nobody's got an, everybody had an arrow knocked while we're walking up there and while we're in the set, right? Well, we decide, okay, nothing's coming. We're going to get us something to drink and probably maybe even grab a little bit of something to eat and, and rest a minute because a heck of a hike. So this duck flies in there to the wallow. Okay. It's like a scorpion, a little scorpion with a thin neck and he's diving in the water and stuff like that and just playing in the water. And so everybody's unknocked. Okay. Bows down at their side. Right. And I am not lying. We're standing there filming this. We're sitting there. Fil- every, all three of us got our films like this, filming that duck like this. And I happened to hear something to my backside and my right side over there. And right next to me is RC and right next to him is Brendan. We're standing in a big group of aspens off the side, the downwind side of where we came in. Uh, So the wind is perfect, right? This, I turn and I look guy and there is a six by five (laughs) walking in to our set and doesn't even have a clue we're there. And you're okay. filming ducks. As, yeah, don't know we're <laughs> filming ducks, nothing. And he's looking right at us. He is looking, but he's looking through us, right? He's looking right at us, and he walks in. And what he's doing is he's sniffing, and he, he's he's like, where in the hell did the party go? Where are all these elk that were just, I heard them up here. You know, he walks on in there, man, and he, he walks right in front of And, and I, when I saw him, I went, Y'all don't move. Don't move. There's a bull walking into our right. He's 18 yards from us. I don't know if he heard me or not. He stops and looks and he just keeps right on walking. And Brendan goes, oh, my God. <laughs> you can hear him in the video. <laughs> Guy, I did not. So I have a call pocket on my vest, right? I didn't even shut my video camera off. I just slid. So you can hear the whole video, the whole audio of the kill and everything with my, because my phone was in my vest pocket, but I never shut it off. So you could hear the whole audio of it. Right. 
Well, Brendan left his whole camera rolling, right? So he's like, there's no way I can, his bow was to his right and out in front of him. So it was going to be between me and RC, whether we could get an arrow knocked brother <laughs> it's like a chinese fire drill dude getting an arrow knocked bro it was rough man i mean we're trying to not make noise that bull is maybe 14 yards from us on his knees in that wallow chewing I man he's got grass hanging water slurping and i mean he has no clue we're there okay and i mean he is going like come on big boy right here man he's man. got his legs stretched out dude i'm like I'm finally going to get to see my brother RC kill a bull in front of me and one that I called in for him, you know? So I'm really jazzed. I'm like, RC, knock him, knock an arrow. He gets his arrow out. And man, as soon as he goes to draw, oh, there's a pine tree right behind him and his, his sleeve goes, and that bull, man, that bull jerks up like that and looks at us like, man, what was that? You know, like you would be like, hey, man, why are you making all that noise? You know, <laughs> and the bull looks at us like, man, he's got stuff hanging. I'll never forget the water dripping off that stuff hanging out of his mouth. And, and he just, I mean, we, we stand there, you know, stoic and nobody moving. The bull turns his head back down and goes back to eating. So he, RC's like, he, raises up again and the bull shudders over there like that bull the whole time i'm getting an arrow knocked right so again my arrow hits my buckle on my uh on my pack and it goes the bull jerks up again man and now he's really like all right something ain't right this is the third time that y'all jacked with me like that so, again, we don't move, right? I still ain't got it knocked up. RC's got his knocked up, but there's an aspen tree right in front of him. So, he's got to move, right? I'm like, RC, move forward and kill that bull. So, again, RC goes to draw his bow. And when he did, man, it scratched the side of that tree again. That was it. Bull takes oh. off running, right? Takes off running. And, you know, I just got on the cow call. And he gets out there 53 yards and stops broad side in the middle. Of, he's standing in the middle of the wallow, man. He's a and he dummy. Standing there looking at us. And I sent, I asked, I'm like, RC, kill that bull. He goes, he's too far for me. He goes, no way I can make that shot. He said, can you make it? I said, absolutely. I'm already on him. You know, I said, I got him at 50 and Brendan goes 53, man. I mean, I sent it and it was over, but we didn't have an arrow knocked up. Yeah, so what your point exactly was is we needed to be prepared for a bull to walk in there. We'd already been calling, but we had decided that game, set, match, we're going to film the ducks in the walla <laughs> instead of daggum be ready for a bull to lagly come in there that was talking to us already, but we didn't give him enough time to come on to us. And that that's you know kind I mean? of an anomaly situation, right? Because, and, and I, and I shouldn't say, well, it is because depending on what that bull has been exposed to in terms of pressure, right? That scenario could have played a lot differently. He could have come in sure. there and was like, this ain't right. And boogered out of there. That was right. your one opportunity. The arrow wasn't yep. knocked or the first time that RC hit that tree, Right, I'm bye, out of bye, here, Felicia. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So, so depending bye. on where you're at, it, and, and then my lastly is, man, we need like some kind of Neuralink downloadable hunt film that comes right from the 
right from the the peepers, man. Because <laughs> yeah. there's scenarios. Yeah. It's like, damn, I wish, I wish I could just play that back. I tell my wife that all the time. I wish I could just play that back for you, so you could, so you could see that, so you could see how cool that was. You could see, you know, everything that happened. Um, but man, I've I, killed a lot of bulls, but that may have been the most intense three minutes of our lives was trying to get an arrow knocked because he's slam dunk. He's 14 yards from us, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is so going to be such an easy deal, but yet they're so smart and so slick and any little movement, man, he was keyed into that and he wasn't having it after the third one, you know? And I think he had, I think he, you know, he was a, I wouldn't say he was a younger boy. He was a big old five by six, but I, you know, probably a five or six year old bull, but probably hadn't had a lot of pressure around him. Look, we were in some places that not a lot of people were going to go, right. you know, that's, I mean, and, that, uh, that's a huge, that's a huge key to it too. Right. Is, yeah. you know, the, the yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to say the further out you can go, but mm-hmm. if you can get into them, the areas that, you know, 15 book boots step, you know, 15 yeah. pair of boots step to the top of and look down and we're like, Nah. <laughs> and you know what's funny is two days before that, Luis uh, Manano drew on him and couldn't get him killed. They had him coming, and then he boogered on the wind. And so he knew, and I uh-huh. probably wasn't – I probably wasn't half a mile from where Manano had almost shot him two days ago. And it's the same bull. They've described him perfectly. And uh, it's the same dadgum bull. But, you know, being another thing, guys, is being able to – we talk about finishing – you had to get that bull stopped, you know, so any little noise you can make. I don't necessarily even think you've got to have a diaphragm call, but I'm never in the woods without mine in my mouth, mm-hmm. in my mouth, you know. So unless I'm eating or something like that and that bull took off running and I'd already had my we were filming and I had a diaphragm in my mouth. You don't eat with your diaphragm running. in, bro? Huh? You don't no, eat with no, your diaphragm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How diehard are you really? I eat with my shit in my mouth. <laughs> uh, but look at there, there is no more bullshit than we could one and a half. It probably could take it. It's got some heavy duty latex. Man. This grinder, it, it'd come apart. We <laughs> hey, look, there's no more bullshit you can say. That that would be it, right? That's like beyond the, the 20 mile pack in. I eat with my For diaphragm sure. in my mouth, bro. <laughs> yeah. But when that bull took off. We just made a little sound like, (laughs) and man, that locked him up. You know, I mean, he stopped and I didn't say nothing else. I'm at full draw. Right. But having that diaphragm in my mouth, you know, even if you would have went anything to get him to stop and he think it's another L. Yeah. I'll bark at him. Last year, yeah, yeah. last year when I called that bull in for Brandon, Brandon come out of position. That bull walked up, dude. He bedded like, dude, I don't know if he was 15 feet from me. And he bedded, and I, I didn't have a lane. My bow is sitting back behind me 11 feet because uh-huh. I'm calling. And uh, that wind swirled. You know, Brandon's out of position. That wind swirled, and that bull starts booking down the hill. Well, as soon as I realized where he was going, dude, I dove back. I barked at him and I grabbed there's a decoy behind Brandon. I mean, I did a, a backflop, you know, 12 feet, grabbed yeah. the decoy, stood that bitch up and just, rah, just barked at him real quick. And man, he stopped. He was 72 yards broadside and he just mm-hmm. hung there, you know, and it was just like, he stopped, he looked back up that hill. And and I think that's what got him on the return too. Right. So right. yeah, he, he was, you know, boogering off. He slowed down. 
But he mm-hmm. came right back, man. He he got around and I hit him with the uh, assembly mule again and he responded. I go, Brandon, he's coming back in, you know? Yeah. So anything you could do to tell them when a situation is, is blown, yeah. tell it's them that it's elk. another elk, you know, don't, yeah. don't count yourself out. You know, let, let me ask you a question, guy, if you would have had, so like you said, your bow was 11 feet to you, but if you'd have had, a bow hitch with you and you had your bow hooked up to that bow hitch. Do you think you could have got him? No, I, for where I was at, cause I was, oh. I was literally sitting in a bed. Gotcha. Calling. Yeah. Right? right. And and that was the, right. the, the thing it was I'm here to call. So I'm sitting yeah. in a bed and you know how it is when they, they oh, get yeah. in some of that low country stuff, man, them, them uh, junipers and whatnot. Hard to see through. You, I yeah. mean, I had a lane like this. But then mm-hmm. that lane was, you know, call it 15 feet away from him. Yeah, like exactly. Yeah. You know, so you'd have to be sending one of Luis's logs or something heavier to try and, you know, hopefully get one through there. That's another thing when we talk about finishing, guys, understanding what your topography looks like when you're going to send it, right? When you're going to send that pill down range, what does that look like? You know, if, if you got this like that, man – you're going to have your heart broke because mm-hmm. arrows don't fly straight, right? You got to understand the trajectory of your arrow and how to do that is really put something halfway between you and your target that's taller than your target. And you can shoot over it every time and hit your target, yep. man, because your arrow's going to go up to come down. And then at angles, it's totally different, you know, like whether you're shooting downhill or whether you're shooting uphill. So, those are the really big things. Guys, uh, there's so many of them I know. Oh, I hit a limb and it knocked my arrow down. Well, I mean, we weren't looking at that when we decided well, to draw back. They I were. Mean, but what they try to do is they try to aim under or something. And, and dude, aim I'll, aim, I'll aim through it. You know what yes, I mean? Like, hey, that's right lined up right it, where. Yeah. And I'll aim through it because I understand my, every single right. bow that I've built in the last 10 years. Every single arrow, every single setup, right? I aim for 273 feet per second because I don't care what setup it is. 273 feet per second looks the same in terms of trajectory. I understand what it's going to do, right? Mm-hmm. Man, I'll, I don't care. I will aim through something. I'll be like, oh, okay, he's at, he's at 50. And that's at, you know, that's about halfway. I'm going right over the top of that sucker, yeah. man. And I think stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, man. You understand yeah, that? It's huge. A lot of guys, will, like you talked about those junipers, they'll try to shoot them through a hole in them junipers like this, and it deflects their arrow mm-hmm. or, you know, it hit them in the leg or whatever it may be, man. Guys, two things for me that are crucial. Number one, understanding my distance. And number two, seeing my flight of my arrow, right? Understanding which where that arrow is going to go. We finish so well because we, number one, know the distance, okay? And that is paramount to making a great shot with your bow, right? Is being within a few yards of being where you need to be, right? Mm-hmm. Our bows nowadays are so flat shooting, right? Even with the heavier pills, we got 30 yards. It don't matter if I got my 20 yard pin on him or my 30 yard pin on him. If I got him mid body, that's about a four inch difference. He's dead either way, whether I hit him with my 30 yard pin or whether I hit him with my 20 yard pin, man. So again, if I was 28 yards and I used my 30 yard pin, he's dead, yeah, right? If, if he's, 24 yards and I used my 30 yard pin, he's dead, man. I mean, it's, it's the same thing. 
you just got to understand that knowing your yardage in increments is big deal. Knowing what 40 yards looks like in in, right? You'll have a discrepancy between 20 and 40 yards. It's big enough to hurt you, right? So, but it, within 10 yards, it ain't gonna, right? Now, once you get past 40 and you go to 50, that 10 yards really starts dropping mm-hmm. off, right? It goes to 15 yards and then 20 yards, right? Because the trajectory gets bigger, right? So, understanding what's up above your arrow and below your arrow are big deals. But I think the most important thing to actively finishing every time you release your arrow is having a very close idea of what your yardage is. Right. And for me, it's from, I've trained myself to know what 50 yards looks like. That's a big, every morning I step out there, I'm going to shoot from 70 yards it's cheating because I know my track, right? I've, I've been out there long enough. I know what that looks like, but that track translates to everywhere I am in the world. So again, that track, me shooting it so much that, okay, well, that's 50 yards right there. I know that, right? Again, when I killed that bull last year, I knew what 50 yards looked like. So I was already centered on him with my 50 yard pin. I just needed to give it a little, you know, and, and actually probably needed to give it a little uh, a little less because he was getting skating out of there and it happened to catch him right in the crease. Right. So, uh, uh, and then knowing your yardage and knowing what the shot picture looks like up and down left and right. If you got trash in there, man, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't send it. You know, you really, you really have to focus on what that looks like. And, and there's guys in our group that have done that and they've, paid the price Mm -hmm. you know another thing is a bull that's looking at you at 40 yards and he's on you like a rat on a cheeto you know same thing with a a 35 yard shot and he's staring you down especially 40 and out man they got time they're gonna pivot when you let that arrow go they're gonna hear it man the arrow can't fly fast enough for them not to be able to react it have to fly somewhere in the neighborhood about 650 feet a second Past 40 yards. In 19 to 35, man, they're toast. They got no shot to getting out of there, right? But once you get past that 39 yards and 40 and 50, they got a lot of time to get it, to make enough movement that it's going to affect the place that you hit them with the bow and arrow. So an alert shot is really not a good shot that they're staring a hole from, you know, through you uh, um, if they are looking at you, you know. So – let them get comfortable. If they're comfortable and they're feeding or whatever, oh, send man. it. Yep. Send it, man. They, they'll look. It'll go poof, and they'll look up, and it's over. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, it, it's really about gauging the animal, knowing your distance guy, and then seeing the finish. Like you said, I'm a visual dude, man. Every time I go out and practice, I visually see myself making that shot before I make the shot. I do that in golf too. I see the shot when I play golf. I see the shot before I stand back there, see the shot before I let it. Every, every world-class champion level athlete, right. Trains with visualization. Every, I ain't never heard one that, that doesn't talk about that. Right. I mean, if you can train with it, if you're in the moment and you can, you visually, visualize that shot, right? Visualize it hitting that tuft of hair or hitting right behind that crease or hitting that golden triangle, whatever your, whatever your preferred shot placement is, 
visualize that in the moment. Now you're talking split second, right? Yeah. It, that don't come easy for me. That comes with repetition and, and, and visualizing at the range, but besides yeah. the point, but if you can do that, man, in the heat of the moment, I, I think yeah. you got them licked. And I eat. So you, we've touched on some really good things, man. Set up. Uh, we touched on uh, understanding our distance uh, and then knowing what our shop window looks like, what our shop picture looks like. The other thing is, is, and I'll, I'll even say this is probably third or fourth best thing, but you gotta know where to, I won't say injure, you gotta know where to put these critters down in a very timely fashion. These critters are athletes, man, and they can cover incredible amount of distance in a really short time. And they got tough hide. And if you hit them a little high, they're not going to bleed as much. So covering ground and trying to find them after they've went a half a mile or more Sucks. is brutal, man, because they'll go in places you and I have a really hard time to go. Mm-hmm. So it, I'm not you know, shameless prop here for Elk Bros, but our podcast on shot placement is absolutely the very best in the whole world. And I'll tell you how I learned that. It wasn't just by watching Joe Gillia kill bull after bull after bull. I took my daughter on on an elk hunt and she killed a bull with her crossbow. And she shot the bull about eight inches behind the shoulder, eight inches behind the crease and about three inches high center. And when that crossbow bolt hit that spot, Blood flew out of that animal like you shot it out of a fire hose, man. I'm like, oh, my. I'm watching with my binoculars. It hits him both sides like a fire hose. I'm like, what in the world was that? That bull ran out there, and in in the video, it's 21 seconds, and he ain't got a breath left, dude. He kicked he went 38 yards, feet up, dead, muerta, bato. I mean, dead immediately, okay? I'm like, holy Toledo, man, amazing. So I, I went up there, documented all that. I said, I'm going to shoot every elk I see in that same spot. And I bet you the last six bulls that I've killed have all been within three inches of that spot, guy. Every one of them are dead in under 20 seconds, and they don't – a couple of them only went feet, not yards, feet and feet up, man. They couldn't tote it, man. There is a, and I, and so I'm like, there's some science, there's gotta be some science to this. So doing some study on elk anatomy, there is a big uh, vestibule of veins and arteries that run through the top portion of the lungs. And when you hit that spot in there, it severs all their all of their oxygen to their brain and to their heart and lungs. And it is over, Jack. Like they can't breathe. They can't see. They can't funk their cognitive, you know, their cognitivity is gone, man. Game out. Game, game set match, dude. You'll watch them. They'll, they'll walk out there like, uh, 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 and boom, gone, dude. And they, they're not gurgling for 30 minutes. They're not raising their head up for an hour. None of that, man. I mean, they're graveyard dead. So guys understand where that shot placement is, man, and try to hit that spot. Uh, when you get close to it, you're going to walk up there and put your hands on that animal, and you're not going to have one of these all-night tracking jobs, man, because everybody that I know this told I hate him right in the pump station. 
uh, I'm gonna tell you right now, if you did that, we'd be we'd be celebrating over it because <laughs> there ain't a bull I know that can tote a double lung and not die. You know, it's just it don't I don't care if it's a field mouse or a bull elephant. You get both lungs, they're gonna die. Right now, they could go 100, 150 yards, but not many of them are going to go past that guy. So when guys are on these blood trails and they've gone a quarter of a mile, you've got to know that it's not lethal, man. You've got to know you've got to give that bull some time, and especially if you've seen him bed and you've got him out of that bed. you got to back out of there and, and understand it. But So we, we're back on finishing. You don't ever have to get there when you hit him in that spot. Mm-hmm. You know where it is. We walk up on them. We take our pictures. You know, we got a little daylight to do it with. And I mean, it's it's better because you're dispatching the animal quicker, right? And uh, understanding where to. Sh- there are a lot of guys love that knuckle and get in that golden triangle. But man, your margin for error is not a lot, right? You know, your margin for error is like that in that spot, right? I'm talking in an area that's a foot by by 10 inches, you know? I've, I've seen guys hit them 10, 12 inches behind the crease, and I mean, those bulls are dead within 40 yards, you know? So there's lots of room behind that crease to get the job done, you know? I want guys to know that. Uh, it As guys coming out of Texas or even the Midwest where we're shooting whitetails through the shoulders, <laughs> Bad idea when it comes to these big bulls, man. If if y'all wanted to see something really cool, you go to the Flatlanders uh, YouTube video where he's testing some of the tooth of the broadhead arrows out there or tooth of the arrow broadheads out there, and he's shooting a, a daggum elk shoulder blade. With He thaws the elk shoulder blade out, and he shoots the daggum broadhead through the elk shoulder blade, man. I mean, he shoots a hammer. I mean – that dude is a big man. He's six four. You know, got hands like freaking cinder blocks. I mean, the guy's a big lad, and he shoots a hammer of a bow and eighty pounds. You know, and I mean, he wasn't getting no full pass through on a shoulder bone. You know what I mean? So it's very telling that their bones are so much oh, tougher yeah. I don't than, than a white than a white tail. So understand where to shoot a man. Finishing's all about your preparation. And, uh, yeah, I mean, um, that's what drives us though, man, is uh, having a better understanding of the elk itself, you know, and, and that's by, man, that's, like I said, it's by being out in the elk woods doing what we do, you know, and, uh, that's how you get experience, you know, I mean, take, take into consideration, uh, your talent level, play within your means, Mm -hmm. play to your strengths. You know, if your strengths are X, Y, and Z, Hunt like that, man, you know, and then if you get an opportunity to go hunt with guys that are have different skill sets, go in there and learn, man. And don't be don't be timid. Go in there and learn and, and you know, get your butt kicked a little bit and, and fail a few times. That's going to make you an even better hunter and better finisher. You you and the elk was running around on a DIY. You best expect to fail a few times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I You know. 
we we definitely blow a lot of situations up. And I say that we tend to blow them up because of the wind. The wind usually is our nemesis because we can't predict it. We can just monitor it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we do everything we can, but daggum that wind, it's saved a lot of bulls and a lot of cows and, at times because that's their number one best defense weapon is that nose, man. I mean, they just never miss with it. Right. So for us about understanding you know, minding that wind. And then, you know, when you get the opportunity to get in there and finish, uh, focus, man, focus on what you need to do to draw your bow back, get the animal in the right position and send it. And your, your practice, I'll tell one quick story before we get done guy. Uh, you know, ex-law enforcement watched a video on some FBI agents that got in a shootout in Cali. And uh, most of these guys were wheel gun operators. They weren't semi-auto guys. It was back in the day. Um, they were all Swatting shooting them Widowmakers. Shoot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were all shooting them Widowmakers and them daggum revolvers, three fifty-seven Magnums. The FBI at the time were training out of their facilities. Uh, they didn't have trays where they were shooting uh, their practice rounds, right? So that what they would do is they would make them stack their brass up in front of them. So one of their employees would come and take the brass and rake it all off into a box. Okay. So these guys were shooting all of their matches. They're stacking their brass up. They'll, they'll take that speed loader out and, you know, they'll pull their dump their brass and then they'll pick it up and they'll stack it neat in front of them. So the guy can come rake it off. Well, when they got in that big shootout there with all them guys with automatic weapons and everything there in Cali, what was amazing was the amount of guys that were killed in action, right? But when they went and did this scene investigation, all of their brass was stacked neatly up in front of them while they're, and they're laying there dead, okay? So what what it goes to tell you is the body will revert back to its training when it's stressed, when it comes to being stressed out, it will revert back to what it's already trained to do. Every one of those FBI agents were trained to stack the brass up neatly in front of them, right? And that's exactly when they got stressed, that's exactly Damn. what they went to doing. Instead of chunking that brass away, getting me another round in there, they were down there, you know, shots going, shur, 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 shur. they're stacking their brass up. But So it is all about training, man, and all about uh, uh, focus. You know, your training will lead you to where you need to be to learn how to finish, you know. And guys, gals, it gets easier after number one. I can tell you that. When you knock one down, number two comes at a a quicker and easier pace, right? I won't say the hunt will be easier, but you finishing will get easier four, five, six, seven. Every time now you walk in the woods, it's like, I'm Genghis Khan. I got this bow with me mm-hmm. and man, you know, I, I got it. You, you get me within uh, an, a shot opportunity. I'm not going to let you down. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to finish. Right. And it is that type of mentality that every one of us need to be able to step into the elk woods with. And if you don't have that, it's one or two things. Either you're not prepared properly or you haven't had the experience enough to get that going yet. And that's okay, man. A lot of guys ain't never got to draw their bow back on a bull. You know, you're going to get that opportunity. Just be ready when you do, you know. And if you mess it up, man, can't get back on the horse, man. 
if you know all us good cowboys got bucked off a time or two, we you know decide to go riding daggum four wheelers instead of horses. We we dang sure wouldn't need horses anymore. But I mean, you just got to get back on the horse. So when when you try and finish and you don't, it doesn't happen for you, man. Don't get down. It's bow hunting, man. I promise it. you, if if you wound an animal or something, it's gonna haunt you all night. But understand this, man. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust, man. You know, those animals are going to feed the wolves and the bears and the coyotes and the coons and everything else. Nothing goes to waste in the woods, man. You know, it's a so, hard pill, though. It is a hard pill. To hard pill. And anybody that don't care probably don't need to be doing what we're doing. Agreed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, uh, anybody that doesn't have that remorse and really feel low about it. Man, now look, I'm gonna tell you, my brother Luis almost quit bow hunting because of it. It's you know? hard, man. I mean, that's that's how close he came. You know, it bothered him tremendously because he gives so much respect to the animal, and, and I mean, we all do, you know. But understand, man, look, we make mistakes. It's better for us to get back on that horse because the minute you, the minute you finish, it gets easier and easier as you go. You know. I'm going to leave him with this. You know, Gil said it a few times. Go in with the confidence, right? Go in thinking graveyard dead. That's 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 Absolutely. that's going to be my mantra for season, bro. That yeah. that right bull comes in, graveyard dead. Graveyard <laughs> dead. G-Y-D, that's baby. It, brother. You know, yeah, I, I – I, I want to see that for our guys in camp this year, man, that come into camp. I, I can't wait to get around some of the guys that are going to be new to elk camp with us. Uh, and, you know, I know they're, the anticipation is what really gnaws at you before you get there. And then once it, once, once it starts going, man, you get, it's like playing a game. You know, if you played basketball, baseball, football, and you know, you, you got butterflies until you get in the middle of the shit, right? Once you get in the middle of it, then it's like game on boys. You know, it, it's a, it's a week it, there's off. nothing like it. It's a week it, off. What? Yeah. Week One off, week. baby. Oh, yeah, my- man. Shit, I can't this, wait. This time next week, wait. I'll be on the mountain, bro. Like, I'm like, yeah. you know what I mean? That's the difference with, <laughs> with any other sport game, right? We we have this window out of the yeah. year. Excuse me. This and we've waited 365. Oh, dude. And we've waited 365 for it to come around. Yeah. Here we are, another lap around the sun, brother. Yeah, how blessed, how blessed are we, guy? You know, you know, super I, blessed to know you. I likewise, bro. I said it, I said it a bunch this year, man. Like I sometimes I don't feel like I deserve the opportunity to go pursue these animals in in the way that we are able to do it like you don't when you get in them and you and you have that admiration and that respect for their majesty and their presence i i don't feel like i deserve those opportunities bro so i don't no doubt i don't take any of it for granted man and that's part of my obsession like man this is a this is an absolute blessing to be out here and pursuing these creatures man it's just it's amazing brother amazing Well, dude, well, I will. Dude, see I can't you. thank you enough for having me on the Western Contours yeah, podcast. Man. Like I said, man, I'm a, I am a huge fan guy, uh, and very humbled and honored to be here with you guys and share a little bit of what you know Big O's mentality is on finishing. And uh, I hope our listeners got something out of it and and could really understand that, man. You know, 
the little key points that we had are, are big nuggets for me, you know, going forward. And, and every time I'm in the woods, I lean on that, man. Those are, it's a little process that you adopt and go through. And as you develop that process and hone it, man, it's just going to make guys much better hunters, Heck yeah, you know, man. and much better finishers, you know, and good luck to all the Western contours listeners out there in the elk woods, man. Uh, I know guys put on a, a tremendous amount of content the last couple of weeks, man. Every show that I've been tuned into on my walks, I'm dying out there, uh, you know, but I'm listening to Guy and, you know, to Chris Rowe and to Jermaine Hodge and the Flatlander and Joe. I mean, it's been just one after another after big shots that uh, guys had on his podcast. And it, we can't thank you enough, brother, for bringing that, that content man. to the public, man. Appreciate you, man. Well, shit, man. I'll see you in a couple weeks. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I can't brother. wait. To I'm get hoping I see some pictures before then. Yeah, we'll see. I'm not. You know, I've been real quiet about it, so <laughs> that's that's on purpose. But I right, know it, brother. I appreciate the time, man. Greatly. You Best bet. of luck on love the, you guys, on the first man. Camp, man, and we'll uh, we'll see you in a couple, bro. Love you too. Sounds good. Love you too, brother. Take care. Peace, Thanks, bro.